Live from the apocalypse, this is State of the Game. I am Dan O, and I had cornbread with peanut butter on it for breakfast. That's right. That's how I live. My co-host, cohort, a rebel without a cause before he soaked his brain in ayahuasca. We're talking about <laughs> Hey Diggy. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. And it's another it's another beautiful week in this rotting degenerative world we have. <laughs> uh, so we 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 were talking flow dynamics, the changing dynamics of flow, right? Um, I feel like there's been uh, usually when people are talking about flow. I feel like people are debating whether or not flow is like, is this one real? Is this hip hop, right? Like, you know, is, someone has a new flow and it's so offbeat. This isn't hip hop, right? And so the, the debate is usually like, should this be accepted or not? As if you have a choice, right? <laughs> As if we all get to just vote them out, like, the, the answer to that is pretty easily like, this is just a big family and you're not proud of every member in the family. Right, or you don't connect, like you don't see eye to eye with every member of the family. I think that's a... Yeah, it's your birthday, but your uncle's drunk over there and that's, that's what it is, right? <laughs> that's what it is. Doesn't mean he's a bad person, you know? Uh, whatever. So it's... Uh, if, if you don't get to just kick everybody out who doesn't sound like you. So anyway, uh, but that's a dumb thing, right? Yeah. It's kind of dumb. So instead of doing that, I think the, the interesting thing to do would be talk about first, this, my definition of flow within the conversation is, is pretty expansive, right? When we're talking about flow, we're talking about the speed at which this stuff is delivered, right? Grabbing is delivered. We're talking about the the tone of voice utilized, right? Mm. For the delivery, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, but we're also I, I, listening to these albums this week has convinced me that the writing is a part of the flow. As in what, the, what they're saying, the content of the, uh, the, the way The way the words are collected and organized, right? is a part of how it's delivered, right? So when I'm talking right. about flow, I'm not just talking about the voice. I'm talking about how these things are coming out. And I think that's a big part of the Taylor Banks conversation. Um, hmm. In terms of- As in the way that the, when you say words, you mean as in the way that the ideas are formulated lyrically? Well, or? I think, so think about like, um, Somebody like Rock Marcion, mm -hmm. right? A lot of people have said, I remember Royce to Five Nine was complimenting Rock Marcion. And he said, uh, I could never like use space like you do. Mm -hmm. I could never like use these pauses like you do. <clears throat> and those pauses aren't just vocal. They're a part of the writing. Right. Right. So he writes in a way as to where he can stamp down, walk away 
give it a moment, come back in, right? Mm -hmm. So, and like the line he uses on either end pause, that's kind of like an out of bounds play that has to work, right? Uh, like an after timeout play. Um, yeah. Got to get you going again. So the, I think that's, does, is that a good example? Does that make sense? Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm following you. Okay. So, and, and, you know, so I think, you know, I think we could, we, we should just, so in the general sense of how have you seen flow change over the course of your life? Flow, how have we, I think going by the criteria that you just presented, I think that we've seen, for me, like I think the realization that I had listening to this is that flow is really, is really representative of the of the. It's like a zeitgeist. You can you can tell what the mood of the culture is by listening to the the popular flows, uh, in in the state of music. We'll right. we'll go with hip hop now. So yeah. I think over the past couple of years, I would say, I mean, probably since The weekend. I think weekend really ushered it in and he came in 2011. So I would say probably around 2013 on, uh, so that would be the last eight years, we've seen really like a more like, I think we've seen a lot of slow down flows like off kilter Ooh. flows, uh, very, you know, very representative of the, the current state of the millennial, I guess you'd say. Let me take a look. So I, you, you were saying 2013 would weekend. Yeah. I think it was a house of balloons ushered it in, right? Yes, but it didn't really, like the mixtape came out in 2011, but it didn't really pop till 2013. Right, he, like I think he repackaged it. Yes, I was just gonna say I think that once House of Balloons came out, that was the blueprint for people in the know, right? Like the fans didn't know about it, but the fellow artists were immediately like, "Ooh, yeah. okay. all right." And the, you know, so you started to see a darker, more sinister. Yeah, um, I mean, you, and I guess you could even go back to, you know, I would say the three monumental figures in terms of flow are weekend i would even go kid cuddy in a lot of ways and then future uh, i think a lot a, a lot pretty much anything that we're hearing now nowadays can be kind of tied back to to those three in some form well yeah so it's so during my lifetime it's mm -hmm. been it's been the heck of a thing, right? So, the '90s. When I think of the '90s, people think of it as a golden age or whatever. I think that's a bit of a mischaracterization. It gives a little bit of a, it, it's just, it's not wrong. It was an incredible era, but mm -hmm. it kind of makes it seem like everything was neat and tidy. No, like, it was a wildly experimental time. When, like, think of all the different flows from the 90s, right? Oh. We're talking about Snoop, Biggie. Yeah. 
you know, Method Man. How different are the flows in in, in that you would see, like Rock Camp? Uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but I mean, there's so there's just you know, Mr. Cheeks and the Lost Boys and Tupac and just all these different kinds of flows, right? Right. Onyx, you know. <laughs> Onyx and Snoop, just two different universes, right? Right. Had, you know, Bone Thugs and and just so so many different ways of doing this, right? And it was all just kind of sprouting out. Like, people didn't even know enough to be offended, right? They were just like, what is this, right? right. Uh, they were learning as they went, you know? Because the, uh, the 80s kind of when everybody starts to know about him, right? Right. At the end of the 80s. We all know, you know. Um, by but in the 90s, that's when it starts growing in public. That's like teenage years, right? Absolutely. Like I, I think of the 80s like the root. And then as you grow higher, you start getting other branches and you start you start seeing the root grow out uh into other other fields. Yep. And so you don't have someone like Kid Cudi without Snoop, and he said it. Like right. he's so. What then? You go to the two thousands, and like you really start to get. I mean, I think because you know, uh, organized confusion and Goody Mob and mm-hmm. Outcast, and start mm-hmm. like the South was hitting, right? Scarface, you know, A Ball and MJ, right? Cash money, right? Um, cash money, no limit, you know. So the South starts to really become not like an alternative, right? It used to be like the West Coast was hot, but it was kind of an alternative for a while. Like, like right. if you don't like this New York shit, you could go over here and you could, you know, have some West Coast. I mean, I, I, I would say the South became the base for experimentation and growth. The, the center for, for most Right? You, right. you had PI, you had uh, Gucci, you had, you know, Waka, you had uh, just so many people, you mm-hmm. know. Okay. I think Outcast was way, way early 2000s, like. Yep. And then you, so we, yeah, Outcast was, was early. And I think Outcast gave way to, like, Atlanta started being the focus. Yeah. Right? Yes. That's a great so point. Atlanta started being the focus. And then, you know, Paul Wall, Texas, and, and all that stuff, and still tipping, and, like, mm-hmm. started to get, you know, obviously New Orleans with what we said, cash money, no limit. Uh, the center of the spotlight started to go down, right? Yeah. And shift downward. And the South became kind of the center of people's understanding of, like, as you said, experimental flows, right? Um and you have, like you said, Jeezy, Two Chains, uh, you know, Future, uh, mm-hmm. all these pioneers really doing all this interesting shit. Uh, but then I have to give your boy credit, right? Uh-oh. Kanye. Yeah. Okay. All right. He steps in. He really starts to, and Fifty was was dabbling right mm-hmm. he starts kanye creates a flow that is 
balanced. It is it is universal, right? Mm-hmm. Like universal flow of like this has elements of the south, right? Yeah. This has elements of East Coast, right? This has clear Midwest stuff, right? This is right. common influence. So this is like it starts to it, he kind of creates this, you know, and he's hearing everything. He's like taking a little bit from T Pain, taking a little bit from you know, from yeah, person from flips, and I'm and I'm starting to starting to put it all together. But absolutely, and that's where he, you know, because he worked with so many different artists, the influences kind of seeped into him, like creating something that was kind of kind of new because he was open like he was open in a way that you know like a jay-z a jay-z wasn't like jay-z had his his skill and technical ability but he wasn't really open to influences in in the same way that a kanye was i mean i think he was he was just a little less durable yes Uh, that's that's the right that's the right word or flexible i would say he was like he wasn't going to be yelling out these crazy ad libs and stuff He wasn't going to be doing all that. Like he's Jay-Z believes in his composure, right? Yes. Like, believes in the composure in his flow that like, I'm not going to be doing this wild shit. Right. Yeah. And that's part of the strength, you know, the confidence. So for Kanye, he was, he was much more open. Yes. To, to doing wild stuff. So he created for a while this kind of, you know, pinpoint dart in the middle flow that hit exactly for everybody yeah and and i think that he had early on he had a wit that was somewhat universally relatable uh and he had like a sense of humor that was was relatable like he had like, like a common man sense of humor uh, and wit that was relatable in a way that maybe Jay-Z wasn't necessarily. And I, I'm not focusing on Jay-Z, but I would say other rappers weren't relatable in, in the same type of way. I mean, and, and so think about it like this, like what is good about Donda? Think about if, if you were going to say two general things that are good on Donda, uh, I would say, yeah. Um, He's still very good at finding concepts that are interesting. Mm-hmm. And he's still really good at big hooks. Big yeah. hooks. So he comes in with that skill set. Great production. Top tier producer. Uh, big hooks. You know, great uh, concepts. And some writers to help him out. You know? Yes. I'm fast. Consequence, right? Uh, and they're all Midwest cats. They're all like, when you're Midwest, you're kind of, you're in the middle of everything, right? Right. It's different. So your influence is different. So yeah, I would say that that's like, so he, he kind of, in a lot of ways, he set things in, in place so people didn't have to have the same tone of voice. So like when Aesop Rocky comes later, no one's freaking out. It's right. not a big story anymore, right? right. Oh, he's New York, but he, he likes Southern stuff. Like, yeah, okay. Right. 
the lines the lines were blurred. He blurred the line. Kanye blurred the lines. Yep. Yep. And Drake, I mean, I think Drake early on, Drake thought he was blurring the lines way more than he was. <laughs> like he was he was rapping on Texas beats, but he didn't sound like he was from Texas. No. You know, he wasn't like the flow wasn't crazy game changing to me early on, right? It was, you know, I would say like, and there, there's a different because you can, you can copy the mechanical flow, but I think you also, if you're going to replicate, you have to have the tone as well. You have to have the the spirit or the what are they called? Je ne sais quoi. Right. Of, of that, of what you're trying to emulate. And yeah. I don't think the necessary Drake was able to do that. Like he could get on a beat, like I think of Underground Kings, you know, with, uh, did he, was Bun, Bun B wasn't on Underground Kings, or one of the songs. Um, you know, he could, he could get on that beat and ride it technically. Yeah. But, the, but the spirit of the region that he's trying to, emulate was not necessarily there later on he kind of got got good at affecting like a european flow right and he's like you know afro flow and he tried he tried to do all that stuff early right. on what I'm early on drake i don't think he came in the game changing people's flows no uh, you know other people did big sean for a time like affected flows migos affected right. flows uh, there's been people blipping along the way, uh, but I think where flows are, where where do you where do you think flows are now, uh, in terms of of where we are? Yeah, and what I say is I think that it's it it's a reflection of the zeitgeist. So if we look at where the I would say maybe like what is the mind state of an average one, you know, maybe 22, 23 year old. And I think what we have right now, there's a lot of anxiousness, uh, a lot of, a lot of darkness. Yep. Um, and a lot of the need to individualism, individualism, the need to express yourself outside of, your family and outside of what society is expecting you uh, expecting from you so i think we're seeing that in a lot of the flows that are popular uh in today's times yeah I, yeah I, I was yeah i think that you the mechanics of it used to be the big label looks for like the the kind of right cadence that everybody wants mm-hmm. you only get people like that right Mm-hmm. People like customized stuff. Like you'll see, you can see it with like uh, TV ratings, right? Back in the day, shows used to get ten million viewers, twenty right. million viewers. Now, a show gets a million and a half viewers, and it's getting awards, and people love it. Right? right. I mean, people are using culture and media as part of their identity, their personal identity. So who you listen to 
Well, I mean, it's not like a modern concept. I'm sure your your generation and older generations had it as well. But who you listen to, what you watch, is almost defines who you who you are as a person, as part of your personal identity. Right. Yeah. No, it was even more so entrenched in that stuff, especially since we didn't really have the kind of flow of information, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we we were just like. Wu-Tang Clan, that's it. Can't tell me nothing. <laughs> you know, that's why you see like people so dedicated to it uh, yeah. their whole lives because there was just nothing like it, right? It was, right. it was, yeah. So, and that's the excitement of like someone with a new and interesting flow, right? Like, oh, someone we should talk about with that? Nicki Minaj, dude. Mm. Nikki easily had a more game-changing flow than Drake. Easily. Oh, for sure. I mean, Nikki, Nikki is the blueprint for a lot of the female rappers out now and a lot of and a lot of the male rappers. Oh as yeah. Well. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, she I mean, the conversation around Monster mm-hmm. was yep. hers, right? It was hers. Um yeah. We saw, we were at like a, a poetry, national poetry reading thing. And we saw some, like a female poet do Nicki Minaj's monster verse. Oh. And everybody went nuts. It was like doing it along with her. And it was, it was huge. It was huge. I mean, we had never seen, I, I don't think we had had a moment like that in hip hop. You know, someone like, it was just out of, it was just such an extraordinary verse, an extraordinary moment, uh, completely unexpected, and just really caught a lot of people off off guard. Yeah. And I want to say I don't think it had to do with her being a woman in hip hop, right? I don't want to get into no. think pieces about that. It had no. her to do with her dipping into a British accent, dipping out of the British accent, mm-hmm. playing the rest of the verse, and we were like, "What just happened?" Yeah, I mean, it was, it was like to go back. So the criteria you had for flow were speed, tone, words, and space. And her verse was a masterclass in all, all four of those. Uh, You know, she had different speeds, different tones, like you said, different accents. You know, she really played with the space and that, I mean, kudos to Kanye and the producers that worked on it, that worked with her to kind of help mold the beat to her her verse as well so do you think like in terms of flow this is just coming to me now and it may be a hot take okay Nicki Minaj is like the true heir to Eminem's flow I would say she's the evolution of Eminem's flow I think uh People would think like maybe Tyler is or somebody, but no, like, no, no. But to me, no. Like, well, Tyler is clearly influenced by Eminem, um, and Odd Future clearly was. Like, Nikki, kind of you, as you're saying, the evolution. Like, she kind it, of figured out how to improve upon. Yeah, what I would say about Tyler is, I think tonal wise, they were influenced. You know. With he gave them the blueprint for you know shock content in a way, right? But I think in terms of tone, 
and then in terms of skill as well, like technical ability, I think Nikki is the evolution would be evolu- the evolution of Eminem's flow. I'm with you. I'm with you. And shout out to obviously Little Wayne, uh, who mm-hmm. you know, uh, just a pure agent of chaos. Yeah. Pure agent of chaos. It was like the kid laughing at everyone for doing their homework and then getting a 98 on the test. Yeah. He's just that dude for life, you know? And and Wayne, to me, I think Wayne was more un, unstructured. In, like the difference between Wayne and Nikki. Obviously, yeah. Wayne influenced Nikki as well. But Wayne was more unstructured in a way that, that Nikki is not. Right, right. No, Wayne was like, pure unstructured in the sense that like you know even with was like you see those and one basketball players just like <laughs> fucking with like nba people because they can't play like that right he he's like the and one nba guy who can do both like yes he's totally comfortable just going nuts uh on that and but and but it could make hits just mm-hmm. as a shirtless madman. And it was it was special, you know. Uh, you know what was the song that made me think about that? Okay. So American Gangster, I love American Gangster. Yes. I was a little mad that Hello Brooklyn had Wayne on. A little mad. I was like, this is about Brooklyn. This dude is not from Brooklyn. Why is he what? on here? Hello, Brooklyn. I fucking love that song. I love Wayne on that song. I, Over time, it just got me. I was just, I was just like yelling it like he was. I was just like, I mean, good? he added that energy, that zany off kilter energy to the song, injected it with it. And I think at the time, you know, the discussions were there was still there was that tension between the two. Sure, uh, sure. For like, you know, because. Little Wayne was coming and Jay-Z was like, no, no, you're not there. So there's that tension. So obviously American Gangster kind of played up on, on the tension of it. But I, you're, I think that um, uh, Hello Brooklyn kind of, you know, looking back, it, I think we'll look at it as kind of like a landmark album. You could see the splitter, the fish features, I think that's a word, and where hip hop was going. Right with that track you know with jay-z very like you said very composed he's always going to hold his, his composure and then wayne was just had this zany kinetic energy yeah i mean you well and you would see it flip-flop is i think this is where the think piece is right is the zany off the wall chaos flow becomes the pop flow yeah right the composed mastermind flow becomes underground. That's a very good way to put it. Yeah. So that's the interesting part of it to me. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a good kind of walkthrough of these, of these important figures in flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we did, <laughs> we're half hour, have not talked about what albums we're talking about. <laughs> Just given the context, it's good that to create. That is my way. Yep. <laughs> right. So we reviewed Toby L'Esprit and uh, Teller Banks, the part and parcel. 
mm-hmm. with oh, part and parcel produced by Ed Glory. Ed Glory, yeah. Uh, I do not know who produced Lash Brit. I wish I did. Uh, details are vague. Um, maybe it's him. Usually, when details are vague, it's him. You know. Uh, yeah, but uh, so I, yeah, I picked these two because these kind of to me represent um, the different possibilities of flow right now in 2021. Right? Interesting kind of uh, new ways of doing it. What was your reaction to these albums? I mean, I, I liked I liked them both. Actually, I liked them both for different reasons. Um, I thought they were both uh, sincere, and I and as I said, I thought that they both kind of represented. They were good. They were both representation of the times times that we're in and the zeitgeist and mood of the you know the average. Not not maybe not even twenty or the average person. I would say. They tapped into that, that film, yeah. Yeah. that mood. Mood. No, it, it's, it's, yeah, I, lo- I love them both. Which one do you want to start with? Which one would you like to? Uh, Le Esprit by Toby. This one really, I, it just took me over, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, a rec- I was Gary Suarez's recommendation. Shout out to Cabbages newsletter everybody should have that sign up for that but boy the extreme differences um uh, from song to song mm-hmm. really interesting mm-hmm. um yeah just like the way i was thinking of um the switch from song four to song five uh, too fucking cocky to want me to do. Because too fucking cocky is a big, savage, brilliant anthem. Uh, yeah. It's huge, right? Most underground artists can't manage a song this big. It feels stadium-sized. Uh, you can just rewind it and lose it again and again. But want me to do is like the sweetness of his voice, the horns, a juxtapose against like too fucking cocky. It's just superb. Um, yeah. Great. I mean, the contrast, you know, uh, the, the good artists know how to play with contrast in a way that makes sense, not just, not just contrast in terms of chaos, as in we don't know. Contrast is in deliberately putting uh, two pieces side by side that kind of bring out the best in each each piece, yeah. best uh, best uh, qualities of each piece. I could say, and I and I think you know, like you said, he did that with uh, too fucking cocky, with the transition to want me to do. Yeah, no, and, and I guess what I was struck by is because he can sing, and because he can rap, and because he can yell. Mm-hmm. all these varieties that he can switch into you know what i mean yeah. all these speeds all these textures and he uses them to express how he's feeling right yeah i felt like there was a time early in flow maybe this was uh ooh, 
I'm going to pinpoint it. I'm going to pinpoint it. Okay. The Rich Gang mixtape, buddy. Rich Gang. Okay. Rich Gang, The Tour, Volume 1. It was Young Thug and Rich Homie Kwan. 2014. Mm -hmm. And those guys, that is a, a flow experience. Those two were just doing all kinds of different wild flows against each other. And it was, people were loving it. People were falling in love with it. But my problem at the time was these flows aren't really in service of any ideas, right? Mm. Just happening, mm -hmm. right? So it's cool and I like it, but I'm not going to get too crazy about it because there's other albums people put their heart into, right? Right. Right. That was my thing. I feel like Sprint is the evolution of that, right? It is, I still get to do the voices, do change my, do the effects of my voice, change whether I'm singing or yelling or screaming or whatever, but it's all going to mean something. It's all going to be delivered specifically to aid my point. Yeah, I think if you want to have, um, like a versatility and flows and be able to, you know, cover a lot of ground musically, uh, you have to have created a strong personality uh, that's able to, you know, be carried, carried in each different flow that you use or different musical context. And I think Toby does a great, great job doing that, creating a personality, uh, creating a vo voice or a tone uh, that can be carried over to each each track, even though the tracks sound different, because we know what what his personality consists of. It's actually kind of consistent. Uh, what when you know when he goes from uh, too fucking cocky to want me to do. Yep. It's the, it's the same voice, same personality, just over like a different musical musical aesthetic. And he's still very lyrical. Like, uh, but mm -hmm. the funny thing was, I started to notice that I think, what was, when, when, did I, when did I write that down? That like he has, yeah, Sinners, I said, every song seems to have multiple tempos, singing and rapping. This starts mm -hmm. out and dancey and slows down. Um, ooh, ghost. My note for ghost is an important point, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe the best mix of singing and rapping on here. This is the new school. It's a big reason why hip hop has survived. It can be alt rock. It can be R and B without losing its identity. Yes, that that versatility 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 uh you know hip-hop is to go back to my last point it, i mean it's really based on personalities you know to be a superstar hip-hop artist it's not just it's not just enough to have like a you know a great song like in pop you know you look at a katie perry or something people you know she has a team of writers sometimes herself that write good pop songs. 
so when we hear like, oh, that's a great, like, I think of TGIF. Yep. You know, she, you know, she's got a great producer. She's got songwriters. So when we hear the song, it's like a great song. It doesn't necessarily work that way in, in hip hop and rap. Right. No. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, in order to be a superstar, you've got to really have like an established personality that connects and resonates with people. And I would say, so it's a personal vision, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the flow enacts your personal vision. Yes. Right? You have to, you, like, it's almost like uh, the, the thing about being, about you dress for how you want to be, right? How you want people to see. The position you, you want, right. Right? So if you're grungy, that's what you're going for, right? Mm -hmm. If you're you know, dapper, that's what you want people to see. Mm -hmm. um, and so you want, so your flow presents that, it presents your personal vision. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so that, that's the important thing here. And I think it, it's, it's not that um, the versatility in terms of switching into things, it's hip hop kind of has space for other forms to inhabit within it, right? If you want to switch into reggae, that's cool. Hip hop's fine with that, right? Right. If you want to switch into rock, hip hop's fine with that. Like, whatever you want to do. Right. Um, and that is very present in here. Um, yeah, it's. Uh... Oh, it was. Are we riding? You remember? Are we riding? Um, number nine. We are we riding? Yes, right after Ghost. Yes, it's very much in that too fucking cocky lane. It's fast mm -hmm. rapping. I, I yeah. put ratchet energy, right? Like popping, yeah. popping wheelies in the parking lot. And uh, that's kind of like the opposite, like from too fucking cocky to want me to do. You know that that's going from up tempo to low tempo, and then Ghost. To all we riding is like the exact opposite, like ramping it right back up. Yep. And I, I wrote, yeah, he's popping wheelies in the parking lot, but it struck me. I wrote, the best lyrics on this album are probably sung, not rapped, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe the, my favorite lyrical moment on here is remind me. Number six. Yes, that, that was my standout track as well. You know, lyricism here is in the details, right? I'm going to take you where you need to go. No, I'm overspent. Running fingers through your hair. Your presence is a compliment because I'm way too gone right now. Watch that black dress hit the ground. Maybe don't you make a sound. Mm. Cadence has to be precise because it's utterly poetic. But then near the end, it speeds up and becomes a full-on like kids' bop tune near the end. So, <laughs> but he, but his lyrics when the singing is, they're beautiful. You know, yeah. uh, day by day, day by day, but the room inside my head has no space for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. The poetry is in the singing. 
I agree. And I think, you know, to kind of tie back to your point, like hip hop has so many other, you know, strains of musical DNA in it that it's, it's remarkable. Uh, you know, and even in what I really liked about Le Esprit was that, as you said, there were so many different genres that I heard. I, you know, I heard, you know, that alternative rock. I, I heard hip hop. I heard a lot of R&B as well. And, you know, because it's hip hop, it all, it all, it all makes sense. It all goes. And he, he did a great job of, you know, being, I, what I would say, being versatile, like being able, looking like he had, as you said, he had a thought that he wanted to express and he was able to find the best form to express that thought. Right, right. Yeah, no, he used like all these things that we call tricks, right? Mm -hmm. this thing, the ability to do this kind of uh, loud, fast, drabby thing. All these tricks he used to his advantage. Yes. He used them to further his point. He didn't use them to use them. And so, right. Originality and a sequencing uh, that's really beautiful in this album, but it feels very personal. Yeah. Right? Right. And I would, I would say the master craftsmen, they have a whole set. Everyone has like tools. You know, the master craftsmen have a large set of tools and they know what tools to use at the right time to get the job done. Totally. And I, I, I think that I'm not saying that Toby is like a master craftsman, but he, he's got a he's got a set of tools and he knows which tools to use in which situations to get get the job done efficiently. Yeah, no, my my notes for 40 miles, the last song, mm -hmm. only two songs on here meet the four minute mark. These don't need really they they don't really feel like snippets. No. Toby can give you full moments in short pockets because of the various talents that he has. Uh, it give mm -hmm. it makes the songs move. There's no static moments. Right. Yep. Yeah, I mean it's very similar road is only two minutes long, but it's so personal, it's so interesting, it just feels done. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of movement as you but the whole album there's a lot of movement there's not there's not a lot of lingering it goes from one song to the next uh and ju it just flows flows all the way and uh, until the end of the album yeah no it, it feels very unified and that's yes so that's the thing is is with both of these albums right they feel very unified and they feel very sequenced and and well done you also, I think, at the end, when you get to the end of both of these albums, you start to wonder if this is actually underground or not, right? It's, I, this, this doesn't seem like it needs to be an underground album. Some of these songs could be on the radio. Yes. A pop thing. It wouldn't be a stretch, right? I mean, you can hear the influences from the pop, the popular music of the, of the time. I would say for both of these albums, 
you can hear the you can hear the influences. Yeah, I, I'm just saying that to say, like, if either of these two blew up, right, Teller mm-hmm. or Toby mm-hmm. uh, became pop people, became like really important. And if somebody was like, oh, man, he sold out, I'd be like, shut up. Like, right. This is where it, it's obvious this there's more capabilities here than can be contained within this sphere. Right. It's interesting. It, it, and that that brings up a point. What do you think separates, you know, a so a mainstream artist from an underground artist? Because stylistically, as you said, there's really no difference between. Uh, well, there is. I mean, to me, there is a. I've I've argued with people about this before. Some people think underground. The difference between underground and pop is strictly sales, right? Mm-hmm. I disagree. I think underground is a state of mind. A state of mind. Hmm. Yes. Yes. It is. Now, how would you? This is interesting. Now, how would you define the underground state of mind? Uh, I mean, it's a, a lot of we, me and Alaska talked about this when we talked the first time. A lot of underground people actively hate pop people like actively hate the pop atmosphere and hate the pop rap atmosphere. Mm-hmm. They make opposite, the opposite. So they hate the atmosphere, but they don't hate the artists? Is I mean, that- some of them do, some of them don't. I don't think that matters. Right. I would say because they're never going to know them, right? These are underground people versus pop people. Right. So you meet them. But like they hate, so as Alaska's example, right? Right. Alaska was on Def Jooks with LP, with Aesop Rock, Labor Days, mm-hmm. all of them, right? Get them mm-hmm. They hated the shiny suit shit, right. right? Diddy and all those dudes. He says, looking back on it, that was some interesting music and there was some interesting stuff in it. Right. And that, that kind of ties to the question I was asking. So did they hate the atmosphere, but yet, you know, the artists, they were able to whether consciously or subconsciously take something from the specific artist, like be influenced by the specific artist. I mean, they hated the hype and the, mm-hmm. uh, they hated the hype. They hated the oversaturation. They hated the cutesiness of a lot of them, right? right. And so they formed Def Jooks to be jagged and to be like uh, the opposite of pop, right? Mm. Uh, and to rub that in your face. That's what underground should kind of do, right? Mm. Should uh, give a wedgie to, to the establishment. Right, because I think of like, the metaphor I was thinking in my head, like you could think of like an NBA player, like we could say like a James Harden where, you know, a lot of James Harden's well, in the past, his points were predicated on getting to the free throw line. Yep. So that aesthetically, that's not pleasing to watch. But as a player, there are a lot of things that you can learn offensively by watching him, by watching him play. Right. So, yes, you don't like the environment that he's in that allows him to, you know, exploit, you know, this loophole in, in the rules. But yet, you still have an appreciation for the actual player, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that that might have been present. I would say, um, I think that, and that's got to be different per each, you know, person. Mm-hmm. I would say right. the unifying character is that if you're an underground artist, you actively don't don't want to make easily consumable stuff, right? Mm, okay. Um, good. All right, that's a very good you distinction. You remember when we did I Self Divine, right? Right. I Self Divine has no designs on taking over the world, never did, right? Been mm. an underground artist his whole life, uh, talking about really important issues that he, that he cares about. That's fine. Right. Uh, never going to position for the, for the main deal and not worried about it. And so these two are not like that, is my point, right? Mm. Toby seems like Toby could fit in the pop sphere. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. If he, if, you know, if he got the right opportunity, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if you heard him on the radio next year. Yep. No, it's, it's just that. Yeah. I mean, this feels like an undiscovered kind of gem of character, you know, uh, that might, might rise up. So let's uh, talk part in the parcel. Yeah. Um, uh, Ed Glorious, man, what a year for Ed Glorious. Mm. Um, how do you? So, how did you feel about the production on the part in the parcel? Oh, f- uh, f- phenomenal, phenomenal production. Phenom, phenomenal production. Uh, I think one in terms of projects that I've heard this year, I think this is. From front to back, top to bottom, this was probably some of the most consistent production, consistently excellent production on a project that I've heard. And um, man, because you remember Sleep Glorious, right? Mm-hmm. Ed Glorious produced that. It's been awesome to watch him put his signature sound out there, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Ed Glorious is doing the kind of soul boom bap a lot of people are doing. But there's something completely unique about his take on it. Yeah, I mean, I I can't put my my finger on what it is, but there's something something different about it. Maybe it's just as the sounds are just more deeply rooted. it, it, what was I thinking about? Was it um, Amos? Maybe the beat for Amos. Let's see. Um, what was like the don 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 don? It was like this is a deeply soulful beat. That yeah, that was the word I would. There's a lot of soul. Yeah. To the production. Yeah. Yeah, that's why he gets, he immediately gets Teller to talk about, you know, violent things he's done. Um, Yeah, and and he gets just really unique things out of Teller Banks because of how soulful this music is. Right, right. It touches, it strikes a vein 
you know, like it, 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 it strikes a vein in, in the rapper. You, you could tell that hearing these tracks really struck something for Teller and allowed him to be very vulnerable. Right. When I talked to, to Sleep Sinatra about Ed Glorious's Beats for Sleep Gloriously, I said, man, these soul samples sound like they're crying. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way you could have not gotten personal on these. Yeah. And, and I think with, with Teller, I think the, the chemistry that he has with Ed Glorious is something that I did factor into, you know, the the anal- analysis of his flow, because yep. I, I think the flow, the flow and the production in this regards is a package deal. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, you know, like it, they were tailor made, like they were tailor made for each other. In a, in a way that like Le, Le Esprit wasn't necess- wasn't wasn't like the production on that wasn't in the same way that it was for, yeah. for this project. Yeah, I mean, I and I would say, you know, whoever uh, produced Le Esprit, it was great. It was well produced. But yeah. there's a difference. So we talked about personal vision, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Personal vision when you with you with enacting your flow. Um, producers have personal vision too. Yeah. And when you see a producer bring their personal vision with a a rapper who has a really distinct personal vision and you see them create this kind of relationship, this kind of new mission between the two of them. Right, the chemistry. It's a real beautiful thing to watch. Yeah. And and I think what you know what helped Teller Banks was was the contrast because as you said he he's got some very gritty, very raw lyrics that you wouldn't necessarily expect to hear over a production that's so so soulful so like uh, ornate I guess you'd say very pretty. Yeah, yeah. And so anytime you get very pretty, polished production over grit, gritty, raw lyrics, um, that's that's usually a winning uh, and compelling combination. And if you want an understanding of why Teller is so fascinating, I think the first song is a great way to start songs. Um, he says, I drop. <laughs> Uh, drop old Wayne, they treat me like new Wayne. <laughs> Wayne. Uh, I, I wrote, he's, it's not just his voice. Teller has a way of making a phrase or concept, it, it, flipping it a bunch of different ways. Mm-hmm. The old versus new in his song, a great way to go from little Wayne to Bruce Wayne. He keeps rearranging the concept. And let comment on his point. Um, yeah, I mean, it ties into what you were saying uh, regarding the words aspect of the flow and organization of ideas and concepts. And I think, you know, Wayne was very instrumental to that. I mean, his run in 
the early, like from, you know, maybe 2004 or five to 2007, eight, really kind of laid the groundwork in a lot of ways for these rappers in terms of how they present ideas. Uh, and I, and I, I think, you know, I could definitely hear the little Wayne, little Wayne influence in him uh, in terms of, you know, how he presented ideas. Right. You know, Wayne as the agent of chaos is a big uh, player in this, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think I told Teller Banks when we when I interviewed him last, because this is the second project they've put out, Ed and Teller. Mm-hmm. The Grotesque and the Beautiful was like, what, maybe number 17 on my list last year? It was mm-hmm. loved. And it's still, I think it's, I think it's still a better album than this one. Uh, but I love both. Right. Uh, I told Teller, I'm like, you're the John Morant of this fraction. Mm. In what way? John Morant is a weird player, dude. He's a weird player to watch, but he's freaking amazing. Like the thing about John is that I, I don't know that there's it. Watching him is unlike watching anybody else play. I agree. The way the way he's weird hitches and switches in his movement, right? Yes. Uh, where you can go to the basket or pass to, to other people. Uh, he's like low-key one of the best players, but nobody knows it because he's in Memphis. Yeah, and, and I, I think he, he reminds me, he's got the athleticism of a Westbrook, but Whereas we recognize Westbrook and we appreciate and we love him because of the recklessness of his style. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he'll like he'll see two seven footers in the paint and he'll still go in because that's just Russ doing Russ. Right. Jaw has that athleticism that Russ has, but he doesn't have necessarily that unabashed recklessness that that Russ has. He has like the athleticism that Westbrook brought in a little bit of it, but he has like the composure of like SGA, you know? Yes. Yeah. So, so he's, That's a great way to composure is a great way to put so it. He's like, right really, yeah. So I, I just think Teller is sure he's K there's chaos in his flow, mm-hmm. but it's masterful. It's beautiful. You know? Yeah. Uh, so I just think, it's a, and, yeah, and with players like that, like with Aja and uh, Russell, you know, the kind of tie back is, is also dependent on the coaching. Like, if you have a player like that who has that talent, you have to have a good coach that can really channel and focus that energy in terms of the team concept. And I think that Ed Glorious is, you know, is a great coach for Banks. I just think, yeah, I, I think the thing is because Teller's brain is so different, his voice is so different, mm-hmm. everything about him is so different. He can sing, he can do big hooks, he can just wrap his ass off. Someone like that needs the beat to focus them in a direction, right? Mm-hmm. And 
Ed is so is not ping ponging around. Ed knows exactly what Ed does, right? Right. And to the point where you can see him, you know, Ed is uh, a sculptor, right? Like Ed is getting better at this sound every project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he's leveling up by this much each time. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think Ed, you know, like to go back to the basketball metaphor, like the, the good coaches are able to find the, create the right context for that talent that allows it to shine. Yep. Um, so, you know, whether that be scheme, okay. Like, you know, if you have John Morant on a, on your team, you have to create a scheme around him that's going to highlight that talent and allow that talent to be fully utilized. Yep, yep. Uh, you know, whether that's, you know, the schemes in terms of plays you call or even in terms of the players that you surround him with. Mm. Uh, I think Ed Glorious, is, he's, he's does, he does a great job creating the landscape or the musical soundscapes around Teller that allows his talents to really, to really shine, to allow his flow, uh, his lyrics, um, and his words to really shine. Do you have any favorite songs, favorite runs from the part and parcel? So the I wrote down four that really, really caught my attention. Um, so wait, let me get the let me get the second part of the type. Okay. So Trappers and Bandits, mm. uh, Prodigal Son, Moses, and then Denver Thuggets. Denver Thuggets was probably my, my favorite. Yeah, Denver Thuggets, the horns are amazing. Yeah. Uh, the horns definitely changed his sing-song tone. Yep. Uh, the hook is great. Um, Teller used the warmth and punch of the horns to render his threats even more vividly. Yeah. So he and saw I, he saw how big this was going, and he was he turned it, turned the context into, you know, you don't want to fuck with me. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's good because I think when you have an unlimited amount of talent. And, you, you know, your mind can just go in anywhere. I think it's good when, you know, you have a producer that's able to put confines on it, uh, confines on which direction he wants you to go in. And that's not like to restrict your talent, but to kind of help you, as you said, focus. Yep. So if you have the confines, like if we have a yard and there's a fence around the yard, like I don't have to worry about like, going out of the fence i can just figure out how to play in that fence mm. and and you know that that's there's a peace of mind in that right yeah i would say the thing i want to make sure because there's a when you have a bananas flow that's really one of a kind it's really a unique experience mm-hmm. sometimes the effort and the, the the writing the intelligence gets lost right mm-hmm we end up just talking about Serena Williams serve and not her intelligence as a player. Uh, right. So, her mind, absolutely. So talk about like phases, 
The first spoken line in phases is, I got a bullet where my heart was. Mm. I mean, he's just really good at everything grabs your attention. Everything. Uh, mm. Going back to Trappers and Bandits, right? It's just an evil beat from Ed Glorious, right? Uh, I said, this song, this beat plays as the bad guy kidnaps the good guy's family. <laughs> Teller is so slick. He says, if it's war, I'm in, the tr- I'm in trenches. I don't ride me no fences. You won't find me on benches in the game when it's inches. Mm. Uh, he also says, black fit like a venom. Mm. Oh. Uh, his brain moves very fast. He's threatening, but he's very funny. At yes. Times. Everything about this delivery keeps you on your toes, and it the the writing seems to follow the voice. Now, what do you mean by that? The writing seems to follow the voice. Like it seems like it is. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like he's affecting a flow for what the words are trying to get. It feels like the beat finds his voice and he and he finds like a, a flow and his brain kind of does whatever it wants from there. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I would agree. It's how it feels, man. It's how it feels listen to it. It's it's a unique experience. I think I think listening to Teller is a very unique experience. Yeah. Um Prodigal Son is amazing, great beat. Um I, I feel like you know, this is a very left field beat for Ed, uh, but I, I love it. He's a very adventurous song. Sounds like yeah. the cover of the album, right? The balance right. of his swagger, his grounded content, and his heart. Right. He out people who hit their girlfriends on the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, very out of nowhere, but that's because it's bothering him. Right. Uh, man. I- I did, I really did. So uh, Denver Thuggets was probably my, my favorite song on it. But my second favorite song was Moses. I really loved, and I've never, I've never listened to Doofus or Sequence. Um, but I, I thought the combination of all three of those guys was really, really great. Now, I will correct you. You did listen to Sequence. Because you did listen to, I feel like, Billy Hoyle. Oh my gosh. My, Remember Billy Hoyle? How, what was that? That must have been a, was that early? That was on the, the Andrew Pop 1967 episode. Oh, okay. You're okay. Now it's, oh my gosh. We've had so many shows, man. Okay. Yeah, buddy. That's okay. But you, you know what? Maybe I didn't recognize his voice because it sounded like he had like a cold or no, something. That's, that's, I wrote the sequence has a Marlboro red voice. Yeah. Um, I, everyone on this song has a wild voice. Doof has a lisp. Uh, I love Doof. Uh, just incredible character. Sequence's oh. verse to me is very genuine. Really yes. Um, yeah, it's a very grounded dude. Um, yeah, Pitchfork kind of made fun of Sequence for being silly. And I was like, no, he's not really silly. He's not, this isn't riffraff. Like, he's just a, a dude with a smoker voice, but he's 
<laughs> you're talking about real shit, you know, like, um, and, but so, but it has that line, right? Like, what's this? Like, I, I may have killed some people, but so did Moses or something. Remember this? Uh, well, I, if, if he means by Passover, I, I don't think which it was is, like that, but he said, like, it was that <laughs> whole thing comes from with. Were there any lines on here that just st stuck out to you? Were like that the line you mentioned, the Moses line. Yeah, was that was the one that kind of stuck out to me because now that I think, I, yeah, I didn't make the connection, but I guess indirectly, like you know, in the Bible, Moses is the hero, mm -hmm. but you know, the seven plagues were probably responsible for a lot. Not probably the seven plagues were responsible for a lot of Egyptian deaths. So it, it, it kind of flips, you know, the narrative and the focus on in terms of that, in that terms of the Exodus story. So, yeah, man, he's got, I don't know. I, Teller has some real shit that, that really throws you. Um, yeah. Maybe the line that messed me up the most. There's a few in Amos. Amos has some lines in it. Um, it's... Uh, G's call me Teller Brady, but I ain't fucking with 12. <laughs> I love that line. I think that's amazing. <laughs> but also I had to write down the same song. Feeling like Killer Cam really did it all. I can eyeball a milligram. Oh, wow. Kilocam milligram. Yeah, I mean that's, and there there are so many of those types of bars on on the on the album. Yup, I mean my my favorite hook of the project is probably Genesis. Um, it's so beautiful. Uh, it's, it's like everything is connected. Everything is. You remember this? Uh, uh, right after phases, yeah. His train of thought is so uniquely formatted. When he hits a hook this well, it's like an alien diamond. It's so great. Um, Skunks is awesome on it. Uh, I mean, it's fun. A lot of the. It seems like the first half of the album is biblically influenced. I mean, we Psalms, Prodigal Son, Moses, Genesis. Uh, I didn't even I didn't even pick up on that the first first time. That's interesting. He's I'm telling you, dude. When when we locked in, I was trying to do a decoded thing where we like went into the grotesque and the beautiful. Mm -hmm. I pulled lines. We were gonna talk about what the what the album meant. You can watch it, man. He's he. I'm wide eyed. He's there's so many levels to what he was writing that I didn't even catch. You know. Right. Uh, that was a concept album it was really like importantly done uh this is looser this is a looser album but even wwjd there's a lot of right i'm gonna have to listen to it again because there there's there's something like as you said there's something going on here that there's something that he's trying to communicate there's another line in wwjd he says it's 
it's a different kind of violence when it's passion. Ooh. Amazing. So, and I had a comparison. I just think Teller accomplishes everything I want a rapper to do. He's funny, reflective, super swagger, life lessons, dexterous with a flow that changes. I felt, I said, it's like listening to a young Freddie Gibbs. Hmm. In what way? You know, when you, we, we covered the, the Freddie Gibbs project from years and years ago, the classic mixtape there. Um, mm -hmm. And the Justice League and all that. And it was like, um, we, we talked about the flow was like a Corvette, right? It's like, oh my God, yeah. I can do anything, right? Right. Um, and that's the feeling of, of listening to Teller a lot of times. Mm. Right. You just, you just need a good driver, yeah. you know? For, no, go ahead. For the, yeah, that makes sense. And I, I think, you know, Freddie really took that next leap uh, of musical consciousness in terms of in the mainstream with, when, he, when he linked up with Alchemist. Mm -hmm. And I, I, think, I think that Teller Banks and Ed Glories have that, they have that chemistry they're, and they're gonna keep building on it. Right, right. And if like, if Teller gets that shot and one of the big wig producers calls him, he'll kill that shit. He's yeah. No question. Like, um, yeah. It's um, I first heard him on an iceberg theory song. Wow. And I was inter I was sending an email interview to Iceberg, and I was like, "Who is this dude? Like, what is going on? He killed this shit." Yeah. And Iceberg was like one of my favorite rappers in the world right now. Shit. You load up. So it's been it's been great since, but it is uh yeah, there's certain people who know it. My favorite song on here is Steel. It's easily my favorite beat. Uh, I told Flash's Clayton this. Um I could do a full album on this high-level gritted teeth bluster. The next collaboration album Ed needs to do is with Flash's Clayton. I bet there's something in the works. It would be amazing. Yeah. And oh, uh, turntables, man. Uh, acknowledging his anger, doubling down on his determination. It felt a little like regrets on reasonable doubt. Yeah, and it, and it's only it's only a minute fifty long. Whew. Oh, I got more. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What I what I thought was gonna it, these images he gives you are coded in metaphor, right? So you, they are they are thinkers, right? Um, was on the east side, knee high to a street sign. Kept a stick with me because I ran into beehives. In case I ran into beehives. Wow. And the one that I'll remember that, that kind of is chilling is uh, pardon me for my hollow hearted philosophies. Wow. 
pardon me for my hollow hearted philosophy. Oh, yeah. I mean, the alliteration is brilliant on that. So he, you know, I said it, this album doesn't seem to be about a lot, but it really is. It unfolds yeah. more you listen. Yeah. There, there's definitely layers, layers to it. Yeah. Yeah. Even even the even the 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 title, the part in the parcel. Yep. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to figure figure that one out as well. But he said okay. everything he does, you can tell that everything he does is deliberate. There's no there's no thing there, there's nothing he says or does that's happenstance, that's done by chance. So if I was gonna hazard a guess on do you want me to hazard a guess on the title? Yeah. All right. There's a lot a lot of this is about like drug dealing and getting out of it. Right, trying to figure, you know, trying to figure out your life. Um, so the the parcel is the package, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A part would be him. He's the part delivering the parcel, right? He's that's a dealer. The dealer is just the part of the system, right? That's one way to look at it, but there's so many religious titles on this and so much reference to religious stuff. Right. I think there's, there's a religious element to that too, right? The package, the part that delivers the package, you know, um, this life, the person who delivers us this life, you know, there's probably a lot going on here. Right, the God, let's see, Psalms, Moses, Moses delivered the, so Moses delivered the Ten Commandments, no, 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 that, was that Moses? Yeah, that was Moses, right? I don't know much about this stuff, but yeah, I think so. Because <laughs> Moses part of the Red Sea, yes, Moses delivered the Ten Commandments, Psalms, I think Psalms were songs written by a king. So you're, that could also be right. You know, like God, God is, wow. Okay. I'm going to have to do more research in that, but I, I think you're onto something. You're right. Because I think uh, my theory is a lot of the, the things that he meant, a lot of the religious concepts or people that he mentioned are people who delivered God's word to like they took the parcel and they delivered it to you know god's people right right so i'm yeah i'm good wow wow yeah no there's there's a lot of potential meaning in what this title is uh, it's yeah. very striking right and it, it it fits what he does like i, I just think this is uh an amazing town, you know, and uh, yeah, I, as many people sh as possible should listen to Teller Banks. For sure. Uh, and, and Glorious, for that matter. Um, oh, no. Anyway, so let's go to recommendations. Recommendation Corner. 
I'm gonna go with what have I been listening to? Been listening to a lot of weird shit lately. It's been fun. Mm-hmm. It's been fun. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna go with something weird. You want uh, uh, so two things. First, a great soundtrack. It's the harder they fall soundtrack. Oh, wow. Coffee is on it. Barrington Levy, Kid Cudi, Jay-Z. Lauren Hill. Jay-Z, Jadakiss Conway. Cudi. Yeah, Lauren Hill, Seal. You know. Seal's on it. The, the singer Seal? Yep, yep. Oh, no, gosh. Actually, right, I'm in. <laughs> I'm, I'm in. Uh, I knew you would be. The, Love uh, me some Seal. Um, so that one is really good. I really enjoy that. Um, ooh, that's what I was going to do. My full-throated recommendation to the album Far In by Halado Negro. Oh, wow. Oh, I, I didn't, re- I knew, I had heard that that was coming out. I didn't realize it came out already. Oh. Lotto Negro is awesome. Just does just one of those completely unique people who is um, he, he's in between so many genres that he feels completely to himself. To me. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to put it. There's folk stuff. There's like some kind of dance, almost dance EDM backing kind of stuff. I saw him live and they were like lights going behind him that matched the kind of drum patterns uh, so it's kind of edm drum patterns but like it's all incredibly personal and uh beautiful yeah it's great so i would say definitely do that good time okay Oof. good stuff uh any big any big things no man uh no not not really not um for in terms of my recommendations no not not really i do like the uh i really like succession right now the the show on hbo max yep yep uh but musically no i'm just going going with the flow you know whatever whatever is being released I'll, i'll take a gander at it or listen to it but uh nothing's really like really stuck with me i would say that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. The glory, I would say, uh, yeah. My son has discovered the glory of John Morant wants a John Morant jersey. Thank you, League Pass. So <laughs> getting that done. That's a player you can that's a player you can get behind, you know. Like if I said I would no qualms with buying him a John Morant jersey. Totally. No. Some other players, there would be some hesitation. Absolutely, (laughs) you wouldn't. You wouldn't get him like a a Udonis Haslam jersey or whatever. Oh no, Udonis. Udonis. You know, if my son wanted a Udonis Haslam jersey, I would be all. I I know I've done a great job so far. You know. (laughs) Hey, uh, stay safe out there. Put a one sauce on it. You know. 